Welcome to the Smarter Trading Podcast. If you want to sharpen your trading skills or become a more savvy investor, then you're in the right place. Every week, we sit down with professional traders who are ready to share practical insights on what it takes to succeed in modern day markets. Smarter Trading, the show to watch to trade smarter. Medeiros is the founder and CEO of The Trade Risk. All opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Evan or The Trade Risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Evan and guests may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. This episode of Smarter Trading is sponsored by Investors Business Daily. Some people say it's not possible to time the market, but William O'Neill and the experts at IBD created a system that helps you stay on the right side of the action, aggressive in uptrends and protected in downtrends. IBD digital members get daily updates on the current market conditions so they always know when to take action. Join IBD digital today and be in the know. Podcast listeners can get their first two months for only $20 by going to investors.com slash Evan. That's investors.com slash E-V-A-N. Now, let's hear about today's guest. Our guest today is Kunal Desai. Kunal is an American stock trader and CEO of Bulls on Wall Street, an online trading academy. He began trading in 1999 and has spent most of his career perfecting momentum-based day trading strategies. In this episode, we talk all about what it takes to day trade stocks. Kunal shares lessons he learned from his early days, the importance of finding mentors, and why being accountable is a winning trait for a trader. He then dives into his trading philosophy, stressing the importance of combining fundamental catalysts with technicals and how he prefers to focus on the macro health of the market for his swing trading. During the last 20 minutes, we switch gears and dive into cryptocurrency where Kunal shares tips and strategies for trading digital assets. Kunal brings a lot of energy and positivity to this episode. And if you're an active tactical trader, this one's for you. Please enjoy this episode with Kunal Desai. You know, one of the things that I feel like I just got to hand to you right off the bat is that, you know, I, I tune into your live streams and you are always having so much damn fun in those things. Like it just looks like you're having a ball when you're doing your live streams or you're talking on video. And I'm guessing yeah. it's because you are. <laughs> um, so you must love it uh, and it shows. So uh, what's your secret to that? Well, I mean, in reality, like this is, if you can pull it off, I mean, I have the best job in the world. Like I'm not, I have three sisters that are like, they've worked their butts off to make money. Two of yep. them are doctors. They do real work. Yeah. Like what I'm doing is like, I'm having fun. Like yeah. I, I, I spent a lot of time getting this going, but like for me, trading is fun anyways. Yeah. But like in reality, if we're really being honest with ourselves, like I'm not doing anything special. Like my dad who was like a pretty blue collar guy, an engineer, immigrant. That man worked his butt off to send kids to school, you know, mortgage, all this kind of stuff. Like even he has fun with like what I do. Like he sees this and he's like, damn, like <laughs> boy, times have changed. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of how like a lot of this stuff happens, right? Like one generation sets it up for another generation. You know, that's yeah. like an immigrant story, of course. So he's having a lot of fun with it, but you know, you can even see it. He's like, cause I remember the days like him coming home six, seven o'clock, you know, then you got to like, he's teaching me how to play baseball and okay, this is your homework and this yeah. and that. And we get a dinner, right? And it's like, he doesn't even have a minute to himself till, right? Everybody's asleep. And yeah. that's a whole different game than like what I'm doing, right? Like by the time my, I'm 40 years old, by the time like my dad was 40 years old, like I was basically, right? Like already about to get into high school <laughs> right 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 <laughs> like it's a whole different game like that's how like the world changes a little bit so yeah i'm having fun with it because like i don't take this thing too seriously and it is the best job on earth if you can pull it off well i appreciate it i love the perspective and you're you're fun to just tune in and listen to so uh kudos kudos to you for for you know educating and entertaining. It's hard. It's hard to do both, you know, and uh, I think you you have a good balance there. <laughs> so um, 
So before we get into, you know, your, your kind of background and, you know, everything that you're up to, I, I thought it would be fun yeah. to kind of uh, start with something I've heard you riff on before. And, you know, ultimately people, people are going to listen to us and they're going to come away with some cool new tactics that, you know, you're going to uh, lay on them in this, in this podcast. And I've heard you talk about sort of putting in the work to become the trader you want to be. In other words, there's education, the trade setups, the technical stuff, but then there's the actual work that you need to put in the reps, the screen time. So tell me like what you think about those two things, how you break up the educational knowledge and then the actual screen time that you have to put in. So you have your theoretical knowledge and you need that though. You know, like a lot of people down on college these days, right? Cause you have like so many billionaires that didn't go to school, but like, Education is right important. Like learning how to learn is important, I think. It's not necessarily like going to school and learning, but learning how to learn is important. There because there is a proper way to learn. And it's not the same for everybody, but essentially there's an arc to it that has to be done. Mm -hmm. And so you do need that book knowledge and that theoretical knowledge. It for me, and I think I've noticed this with thousands of students is like the school of hard knocks of just like doing it and figuring it out. It can work, but it elongates your time frame to such a point where you either may run out of money, you may run out of willpower or the will to do it. Mm. Um, your psychology could change in terms of like, if you get beaten down so much, it at points will create all sorts of weird habits and phobias and fears, right? Because like you had to do it a certain way. And it's like, I got beat down, beat down, but I learned a lesson. I took a note and I did it my way. Well, guess what? At some point, like those things are ingrained into your psychology yeah. and it shows up in your trading. You know, that's why I always tell my students, like you only get your first time to do your first time. Like, yeah, you may blow up an account, but like if you're doing it in a way where you're making progress, you know, and maybe one slipped away from you or right, something happened, which one can always slip away. Sure. Then those are things that can happen. But if there were some good things inside there, when you blew up your account, okay, we can learn from that and go on. But Leah, if you're just going in and saying like, I'm gonna do this my way, man, that's, that's tough. Like you know, for myself, like as a business person, you know, I got 10 employees. I got in this business, I have multiple businesses. Like, I don't know anything about business. I'm a trader. So yeah. I have business coaches Yeah, because I've made every mistake possible in business. It could be from tax issues to law issues to marketing things and, you know, so on and so forth. Hmm. The shortcut of it was actually talking to somebody that knows what they're doing. Now, it doesn't have to be somebody you necessarily pay, but it does have to be somebody that is doing what you want to do, you know? Hmm. You know, with social media and stuff like that, like you can find people that are like-minded and they don't have to like, you don't have to buy a class necessarily, but you do have to talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. And that's beyond like, hey, some guy that's an avatar posting on Twitter. Like <laughs> that's not necessarily it. I'm talking about like real mentorship, that give and take of you being able to get answers but also somebody holding you accountable to what you're actually doing. And I think that's a really important because those are the things that I've noticed like men mentally happens to a lot of traders. Like, man, when you're trading alone or doing your own thing, sometimes you're willing to YOLO something, but when you're accountable and you know, like, for example, like, you know, all my students, like they use trader view or trader sync or some type of journal, Evernote, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when they know somebody's going to look at it and not their teacher, you know, for me, they pay me. Right. So like they know like, OK, yeah, Canal knows I'm going to screw up. But like when you share it with a peer. Man, you don't like nobody likes looking stupid in front of their friends, like no matter what, like, OK, you, you can look stupid in front of your teacher. You don't want to look stupid in front of your friends. So there's that aspect of things like find like minded people and share. Right. Learn from them, but share. That goes a long way. Goes a really long way. And I think you hit on a lot of important points. I mean, 
Accountability is an interesting one. I really like that angle. And I think it is something that traders could really benefit from. And even, even, you know, obviously it it helps to have a group of other traders that you can just, you know, that understand you and get you. But even if you just have a significant other or a friend that's, that can keep you accountable or just keep you on track from YOLOing something or doing something that you're going to regret that can go a really long way. So I, I, I like that a lot. One yeah. of my best students, he's an Indian guy. Indian guys are like the most, they're like the smartest people for like certain things. But when they get into trading, it's like pure degeneration. Like all Indian traders, man, they're like gamblers. And it took me a long time to figure out, but I, I, my guess is because our parents are like so strict, like I have really strict parents too. Mm-hmm. You're never allowed to do anything mm-hmm. and they're probably married. They're never allowed to do anything. So when it comes to this trading, it is like YOLO, 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 YOLO. And I'm like, you know, I'll talk to one of my students. I got one of my students Samir, here and I'm like, dude, you work so hard. You, you get like four subway shops and like, and then you're YOLOing all these trades. Right. And uh, he's like, dude, you don't know what I go through. <laughs> right? And it just happens like that. Yeah. But the accountability is really important. He's like, you know, when I talked to him, I said, because he was really, really, he had elite mental skills and also mm. discipline skills. Like he's a hard worker, good dad, right? So on and so forth. This is all takes discipline. Be good dad is takes discipline. Be a hard worker. Show up every day takes discipline. But like he was letting one or two slip away every week, right? That just mentality of like, I got to get this big home run. Yeah. So the same thing. I said, you know what? Because I, I met his wife before and she's a ball breaker. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Share your PL with your wife every single day at lunch, though. Mm. Because, you know, like where a lot of people make their mishaps is like the midday trading. Yeah. Morning is hot, midday is not. End of day, sometimes it's a go, right? Sometimes right. a hoe. Like that's just the way it goes. So I said, share your PL with your wife at midday because that'll get him stopping the trade because he always makes money. In the morning. Hmm. And as soon as he started doing that, right? The accountability, like, oh man, yeah. I'm gonna share this with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna walk away with my profit. So every day now, like he just walks away and he hmm. makes actually less money than he was before, but he's not having the once a month crater that was just like this impact on his psyche. You know, now it's like, okay, instead of trading eight hours a day and having like two just heinous losses he's trading two hours a day and he makes almost the same money but a lot less stress sounds a lot healthier to me that's a that's a good trade in my eyes so it is it's, you know it's a long time to learn i still battle with it every day well so so yeah I, I i definitely want to to explore this a little bit more um but um before we go too deep there give me sort of the elevator pitch of of your trading style what is your approach to trading the markets nowadays? So I keep things pretty simple. So no matter what, there's a tried and true things of the market. You know, and there's all like, there's fads of like small caps, this. Remember there's like a hot fad of shorting small caps, right? And then there's (laughs) like a hot fad of longing small caps and this and that, and there's so many of them. But the tried and true components of the market has always been number one, trends. And then number two is like catalyst, right? Post earnings announcement drift, essentially, right? Like stocks that have some type of catalyst. And when you can couple that with some type of chart breakout, these are stocks that can continue on for weeks to months, if not longer. Like, you know, for example, if like anybody is watching like Roblox right now, like Roblox, right? Had earnings out a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it gapped up maybe into the hundred buck range or give or take that it was sitting at 80 bucks forever and it gapped up and, you know, that, that day it pushed, but subsequently, right. Even after earnings. So the earnings day, like it opened up at 95. I'm looking at a chart right now. Got to 110 that day. Right. So you have chart breakout plus catalyst. Very important. And then you also, you're coupling that with it's a recent IPO, but there's always a post earnings drift in a healthy market so you have that catalyst so like you know that thing even though the earnings day it was only at 95 right it got to 140 something today 
Mm -hmm. Right. So you have that post earnings drift. The second part is just, you know, momentum in general. Like as mm -hmm. a trend trader, I try not to counter trend too much unless it's just a unique opportunity. You know, like for example, like today, right? Like a lot of the tech stocks rolled over. So that's a macro picture yeah. that is a little bit different than just, okay, pure chart technical analysis, you know, via specific stock. So in general, like those are the different ways I'm going to play things like trends catalysts and then of course macro plays like today like when the market gapped up and mm -hmm. it beat turkey week like mm -hmm. that was like to me like it not an obvious short but that's a high probability short for the most time because you're already like if you look at the nasdaq right like it'd been up five six days in a row and they had one rest day you know a few days five days ago or so you gap up today like that's usually a People see gap ups and they think buy because that's like, you know, everybody's using their trade idea scanners and they see gap up and they're taught to buy. But like on a macro level, right, that's usually a sell signal traditionally. So like those are different ways I'm going about these things. So it's trends, catalysts, and then of course, macro plays. When the market is showing something specific, you know, you're taking a big picture play. And then beyond that, I'm doing cryptocurrencies and things like that. But those are all basically the same tactics I'm using as stock trading. Got it. So time frame and like swing trading versus day trading, you're doing pretty much everything. It, I mean, you're, it all boils down to trend momentum and, and everything, right? So you can, the beauty is you can do it on all time frames, and that's pretty much what you're doing. So a majority of my day trade, majority of my trades are on the day trade side. And that's obvious because, you know, when you're day trading, you might take a hundred or 200 executions in a day. If you're trading with size and scaling in and out. You know, so swing trading is like, I'll take two or three good swing trades every couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but only when the market itself is trending and market breadth is showing certain characteristics where I have a high probability of actually making money. What I mean by that is you've got to go beyond just indexes, right? Like the index is like, for example, if you use the QQQ, well, the QQQ is a hundred stocks. Well, if you look at like market breadth of the last X amount of days, and we don't have a screen share here, but, uh, you know, I've built out on TC2000, right? Like a market breadth page. Mm -hmm. And so I tracked four things. You know, first thing I track is percentage of stocks over the 200 day moving average. You know, why is that? Well, the 200 day moving average is like your longer term picture on the stock, right? That's a one year average, essentially 200 business days. Now, like right now, we're at 44% of stocks over the 200-day moving average. That is, to me, not like an intensely strong market. Because if you're at all-time highs, your 200-day moving average should be on the bottom, right? Out of all your moving averages, if you use them, it should be on the dead bottom. So the fact that a majority of stocks are actually under it is a red flag. Then I use a T210 indicator because that's just the most famous one on T2000. Right, that's your percentage stocks above its 40 PMA. But I just look at that as like a 50 day moving average. That's also been declining right for the last 10 days. So like right now you're seeing, even though the market has been going up, your market breadth has been slowly degenerating for the last, I would say about eight days, give or take 10 days. Yep. So those are things that you have to track. Uh, also track percentage of breakouts versus breakdowns. So 4% breakouts versus 4% breakdowns. So like, for example, today, even though, you know, the NASDAQ, it wasn't like a murderous day on the SPY, you know, finished down like 0.2% or give or take, but the QQQs got nailed. There were 707 4% breakdowns. So those are significant moves. It's not like, okay, advanced versus decliners is like, okay, I have a stock that's down one penny or up one penny. So you have a skewed data point. 4%. For me as a day trader, like I want to be in stocks that can move, right? Four, five, six, seven percent. So four percent is a good spot. So mm -hmm. 707 to 197 up. Previous day was at 331, 117 up on the four percent. So like even though the market was flying the last couple of days, the market breadth has changed. The previous day before that, 640, 4% breakdowns, only 120 percent. 123, 4% breakouts, even though the market was up that day. So what it's telling you is that underneath the hood of the market, right. 
there's something happening. So the indexes were essentially masked by the action in Apple and right a handful of stocks. Got so it. like that might be something where I'm not looking to do any swing trades in beyond just some selective ones if it just looks picture perfect because like the wind is not at my back there. Now day trading is like an interesting thing because in swing trading, you have to have a big picture of everything. <laughs> when you're swing trading, it's not just indexes, price action of individual stocks, right? And then the macro pictures of data and things that are happening like market breadth. And I'm purely technical trader, but I do pay attention to news and kind of the effect of it. But when you're day trading, none of that really matters. Like whatever the market is showing, the market is showing. Like you can, like today, like, okay, you're thinking this is a short on the indexes. You can narrow it down. And if that doesn't show, you can reverse really quickly. Because the difference between day trading and swing trading, at least in terms of success, there's two aspects of success in them. When you are day trading, your what would be the terminology? The amount of trades you take mm -hmm. allows you to smooth out your results. Meaning like, okay, if you take, say, 10 trades in a month as a swing trader, well, depending on what the market's doing or whatever, your sample size is so small. So like one month, your results may stink. Right. One, one month, your results may be amazing. And then one month, like they may just be super through the roof. And that can happen. There's just markets where you should be swing trading a lot because market gaps up every day, stocks gap up every day, right? The day traders are chasing it, but the swing traders are making money overnight. And that encompasses probably about maybe two or three months, maybe four months of the market every single year. But when you're day trading, the sample size is different. Like you might be taking 10, 20, 30 trades a day. So the outliers are not there. Like I've had, I've had terrible months swing trading this year, especially in a couple of like the choppy mark, choppy months, sure. you know, like between September to October, you know, I was trying to swing trade in the beginning of September. And then like, it was kind of became obvious, like, okay, no matter what I do, like, this is not going to work, you know? And then we've had other periods in the market like that in day trading. It doesn't really matter because you can be long in the morning and then short and so on and so forth. So I primarily like, I make more trades just in the day trade because it fits what I'm trying to do, but it also allows me the sample size to smooth out my results. I mean, what I like about the way you approach the day trading side is that you are marrying the technicals with a catalyst. A catalyst is something that seems to be very important in your eyes. So my guess is you're curating your day trading list of stocks based on like you, I think actually even mentioned the earnings, if they reported earnings or if they, I don't know, CEO is, is getting replaced or, you know, a, a, an actual major story is the fuel that you need to see to make sure that stock is in play. Is that kind of how you're approaching your, your day trading watch list? So like when I make a day trading list, I usually have baskets, mm -hmm. right? And so I call them tiers, right? So you got three baskets or three tiers, you know, your tier one is like, okay, you have stocks that have catalysts out right now or catalysts out recently those stocks are going to move independent to what the market is showing. Meaning if Roblox or Airbnb or whatever is like a recent kind of earnings winner, and there's been quite a few, Goose Island or, you know, there's so been so many, this has been a good kind of market for earnings lately. I'm just kind of bringing up a list over here. Well, those stocks are going to do what they're going to do because they have a fundamental catalyst. So they have something that's like a push. Yep. And so whether the market is down and we're not in like that period of the market where you're getting crashy days, right? Like today, like it seemed like the end of the world, but really like the SPY was down 0.2%, IWM was down 0.3%, the QQQs were down 1%. Like that's not really, right? Theoretically, like that's not really like the end of the world kind of thing. It's no. not really anything, you know, it doesn't actually have an indication of anything. 
So like when you have days like that, these stocks that have catalysts, earnings breakouts, hot chart pattern plus earnings breakout, like those are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to cruise no matter what's happening in the market, you know, like, and, and it can be, it can be from the most unexpected things, you know, like I had a big grip on, you know, this PLBY the other day. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like, this is like a classic, like this is not even like a well-known stock, right? But, you know, you have like a chart breakout. They had a big earnings beat. Like that's going to be something, whether the market's up or down, like that particular day, like it's just going to, it's going to cruise no matter what. Its volume is going to be not linked to what's happening in the market. Its order flow is not going to be linked to what's happening in the overall market because that specific day, everybody is reacting to what's happening in the news of that particular name. And, you know, you still have to use the technicals to do it because there's been a lot of stocks that have, right, like great earnings. So you would think, and then they tank that day and vice versa. You know, I've seen that happen a couple of times, like, you know, Etsy or something like Etsy a couple of weeks ago, it had its earnings out, it spiked down like the first candle and they completely reversed and popped like 50 points that day, right? right? So, you know, you can only put so much into reading the earnings because we're not, right? Like, well, we don't work at Goldman Sachs. Like, right. I don't have an MBA from Wharton. And I'll tell you what, like most MBAs from Wharton, they can read the earnings, bro, right? They're not going to be able to predict the stock price regardless. Yeah. And so, like, that's like the catch-22 of it all. You can be so good at reading the news, but like you may not be able to pair them together, you know? So that's like a catch way too. So those catalysts are going to be really important, especially as we get like into this market where we're getting more and more extended, the mm -hmm. breath changes and it narrows where like, if you don't have a catalyst, then we have a narrowing of the market right now where like really it's like 10 stocks that are leaving the market. And right. then every other stock is essentially kind of like in the dumper minus yeah. your pumping dumps from discord and stuff like that. And you'll always have those, of, you know, there'll always be a kid with pimples and a Rolex, <laughs> you know, using think or swim and claims he makes $2 million from a thousand. But beyond those things, you need the catalyst in certain markets, but in hot markets, they actually goose it so much more. I really appreciate that. I feel like I, I used to do more day trading back in the day. And ultimately, I mean, it wasn't for what me. Happened? Oh, man, what happened? Well, so I'll tell you what happened. But it reminds me. So one of the things I think I was missing back in the day was the catalyst side. Sure. I had... I had the technicals lined up. I did my homework. I knew the chart patterns I was looking for, and I was ready to trade those the next morning. But without that fuel, without that urgency, I mean, hell, if everyone's looking at $40 price breakout and it gets sure. up there and you're trying to play for the breakout, but there's not enough, you know, sauce, sizzle, oomph to get through, that can be a painful way to sort of trade. I think that was one of the key things I was missing. So I wish I had you 10 years ago. If you think about it like this, like for anybody that's listening, you can't, and if you just think about this like in common sense way, if you think you can draw a squiggly line on a chart yeah. and make a shitload of money, then you are mistaken. You can at times draw a squiggly line on a chart and get a quick trade or something along that end. But you could get a 2%, 3% or something along that end. So, mm -hmm. you know, the technical analysis, supply and demand has always a place. But if you want to get like a 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever it is, right? You need something pushing it beyond just, hey, I drew a squiggly line on a chart. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't matter if you understand what's pushing it, as long as there is something pushing it. Because right. the price action in the end dictates it, but the catalyst helps. I love it. I mean, it makes it makes all the sense in the world. 
and you, you know, so you, so you asked me what happened uh, on why I didn't day trade. <laughs> I uh, always ask everybody. Oh yeah. So, so, and, and this is something I want to talk to, talk to you about because I mean, my story or my evolution of when I was day trading, which I think is pretty darn common, but basically, you know, I would go on a nice run of a week or two sure. weeks, three weeks. Life is great. Day trading's awesome. You know, putting in three hours a day and making paychecks. This is fine. And then it was that one week every two or three months where all hell just, you know, came came loose. And I gave back five weeks worth of gains in one horrible mental spiral where I would just self-destruct. I mean, that was, that was basically it. Um, and so, you know, when I think about day traders now, and I think about this time frame, I mean, it is all about, it is all about, you know, managing yourself and, 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 you know, um, Basically, just trying to, you know, the way I like to think of it is because day trading, you have so much leverage at your fingertips. You can you can trade, you can do all these things. And especially when things aren't going well, there are lots of buttons you can push to make it even worse, right? When when the when really you should be walking away, but it's hard. So I guess, you know, in in your world, right? Let's say you start off the day, you take a swing at a stock and you get stopped out. That's life, that happens, right? You take another swing, you get sure. stopped out. What is, what's the self-talk there and what's, how do you not spiral out of control? And we did talk about accountability and that I know is, is probably a big part. What else can you tell us? It goes two ways. So number one is still accountability. Mm -hmm. Like for me personally, like I'm trading in front of, right? So many people I'm live. I got my TC 2000 on my brokers up. Like I'm trading in front of people I can't be just yellowing things, right? Like there's a responsibility there. No home runs, essentially. If it shows, it shows. But there's a responsibility there as people, right? Like just not beyond them as customers. I mean, these are people, right? That sure. hopes, dreams, right? Expectations, they're all involved in there. So if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Now, if they weren't there, I do think I would degenerate into some of this kind of behavior. But I do give myself a little bit of access, a little bit of leeway. So like usually like if I lose on my first three trades and it's rare, but that can happen. I guess the market wrong. My watch list just wasn't right. It's gonna happen every blue moon. I'll reduce my size immediately. So I'll, and I'll tell my guys even in the chat room, half sizes for the next two hours. If I hit on my next two or three, all right, we're back at full size. I got my mojo back, essentially. But essentially what, ha- what you want to be doing is like, and that's where people make the mistake is most people, when they start to lose, they increase their size. Right. What you really need to be doing is as you lose, you need to be decreasing your size. Yeah. Because it could just be a mathematical fluctuation. First of all, like if you have a 60% win rate, for example, there's a good shot you can lose on your first two or three trades. It's sure. just a mathematical anomaly that could happen. But now in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking mathematical anomaly, right? Like even though mentally I know that, I just will cut my size right away. Hmm. Because I also have the inherent belief because I've studied so much, learned so much, that I've prepared for this day that over the course of the day, I'm going to make my way back. Because like as day traders, you have really an infinite number of opportunities every day. Not infinite, but right? Like there are numerous of them. So I lose on three trades. Okay, I got to cut it back. Even if it's really hot, I got to cut it back for two or three because I don't want it to slip away. Because once you, I mean, once you get into four, five, six losses, I mean, at that point, you're really asking yourself to go for... 10, 11, 12, when you're not trading well, you can lose on anything. And what usually happens, you're like, there'll be a stock that's just stuck in range and you just buy it at the top of the range, sell at the bottom of the range, buy at the top of the range, sell at the bottom of the range, because the market's not doing what you thought it was going to do. Hmm. So then you get stuck in that. And if you're truly a degenerate, which I've been majority of my life, not only will you buy at the top of the range and sell at the bottom of the range, 
but you might short the bottom of the range, cover the top of the range, buy the top of the range, so now your losses are compounding in ways that you can never even believe. My actually, like my three or four biggest loss days have all been from, I had just a small loss in the morning, and then I got stuck in a stock that was in a range. I was like trying to break it out. It's like buy the breakout, selling the like the the bottom of the ring, buying the breakout, selling the top of the ring, and then when you really get desperate, right, you're shorting it, oh, yeah. and then covering the top, then buying the top, and now you're doubling your losses. And my three biggest losses all came from stocks that had really no movement. It's hilarious. You look back at it. And it just went nowhere. <laughs> you just step it up your size and you're doing that. And so I cut my size immediately if I have three losses in the morning. And if I even lose a couple more times, but I haven't hit kind of my max pain, I'll just keep reducing size till I kind of get my groove back. Once I get my groove back, then, okay, I know. Like if I hit even one trade, I know. And it's a good trade, not just because I got lucky on something. But if I hit just like one good trade, I know like in my head, here we go. The run could happen. Because, you know, I've been on so many runs in my life. So if I can just hit one, but I got to get into the position where that one is available to me. And so that means you got to cut your wrist, cut your wrist, cut your wrist, cut your wrist. And then you may even have to like pass down on setups. You may see setups, but it may not be your go-to. So like when I'm in a slump, like, right, it's like, you know, like when you're dating, you need a slump buster sometimes. Right? Like you got a little bit of dry spell, whatever. You need a slump buster. And in trading, you also need slump buster. Like sometimes like you may be slumping and you're thinking, man, I want this, I want this, I want this. No, no, no. You got to trade what you do well. So you hmm. wait for it. And you may turn down other setups. But once you hit that slump buster, you're feeling pretty good. You made a, a calculated trade. It worked out well. Now it's game on, right? You can start pushing the chips in a little bit, not all the way to full size, right? But you step it up, step it up, step it up. By the end of the day, you may work your way back. The biggest mistake you can do though, and this is where people screw up, they get a big loss, they work their way back to even, and then they go for one more as they want to hit their gain, their goal. Yeah. And then it goes, because they oversize. You know, so if you, once you get to like back to even or whatever, manage that also, like, don't be yellowing anything because you may just go all the way back to zero. And that's been actually, those are the, those have been the heartbreakers of my life. Like I've been down so much. I get back to even and I YOLO something. And it's like right back to where I started. So do you think it is, I mean, it's, I guess on some level it's necessary. Like, should you be looking at your PL during the day? Like what's the pros and cons of that for day traders? Yeah. So like a lot of people say like hide the PL. And I also tell a lot of my students to hide the PL, like if it's like they're actively like staring at it. Mm -hmm. But like in the end, like if you have a third grade aptitude, I mean, you have a basic understanding of what your PL is. You may not be on the dots, <laughs> right? Right, right. But like, okay, you, if you had 500 shares or something, you lost two points. Like, I mean, you kind of know you're right. down a thousand bucks. Like, so the hiding the PL is not going to necessarily fix the issue. But it can just get it out of your frame of mind, right? And so toss it if, it, if you need to toss it. Because like you, even though you know, sometimes like you're, you know, we, uh, we put trading with like who we are as a person. If I'm a bad trader, I'm a bad person sometimes, right. at, at least in the heat of the moment. Yeah. So sometimes just hiding the P&L might make you just feel better about yourself, right? To say, you know what? Fresh, I'm yeah. gonna go for this, so on and so forth. But like, yeah, in general, over time, you sh I would be worried if you didn't know the man. And we will be right back. Those of you who know Trade Risk know we are all about rules-based investing, and that's why we are so excited to have Investors Business Daily as a podcast sponsor. William O'Neill and the experts at IBD created a proprietary market timing system that keeps you on the right side of the action, aggressive in uptrends and protected in downtrends. 
IBD Digital members get daily updates on the current market trend so they always know if it's a good time to be invested. Members also get access to IBD's top trade ideas, in-depth analysis, educational webinars, and much more. This is the framework for responsible investing, knowing when to be involved in the market and what stocks to have on your watch list. And with IBD Digital, you'll get both the information and education. Podcast listeners can get their first two months for only $20 by going to investors.com slash Evan. That's investors.com slash E-V-A-N. Now, let's get back to today's show. So I do want to talk about crypto before we get there. One thing that I always hear you sort of um, in reinforcing when you're when you're uh, doing your lessons or, or talking to subscribers is range. You need range out of stocks. So talk to me about range sure. and how that factors into the names you're trading. 100%. So the biggest fallacy that happens with new traders is they think if I trade a cheaper stock, I'll make more money. So majority of cheaper stocks, especially if they don't have a catalyst, they have, they might move like say 10 cents. And so that's a 5% range. Well, a hundred dollar stock, if it moves 5% up or down, right, it's a $5 range. And now like if you're really looking at the market right now, the pump that's going on, a lot of stocks have 10, 20, $30 ranges. So in the end, like you have to mentally kind of prepare. So, but in reality, look, what's easier to do trading 10,000 shares of a $2 stock that may move her up and down 10 cents here or there. How much of that are you going to get? So I always talk about the meat of the move, right? We want the meat of the move. What is the ATR on a stock, right? The average true rate. So like if you're using T2000 or whatever, it's just called ATR, average true range, and then you could change around the time frame of days. So what's the ATR on the stock? So like ATR is 5%, 10%, but it's $2. It's hard to move around 10,000 shares if your range is only 10, 20 cents. You're only going to get the meat of it anyways, right? And there's going to be slip-ups and slippage and so on and so forth. But if you have a $100 stock, $50 stock, whatever it is, and it's got $10 range. Even if you have a small account, you have a $100 stock, you have a small account, and you say you got a $10,000 account, you got a $100 stock and moves around 10 bucks up and down throughout the day. And you're playing the ebbs and flows. You might be long, you might be short, whatever it might be where the setups show. What's easier to make money on? Because the big thing with trading is like, okay, not getting one home run trade. Can I make money consistently and stack them? So if you're trading a $100 stock with $10 range, hey, even if you're trading 100, 100 shares of it, if you can catch three bucks here, yeah, three bucks there, one buck here, because right there's going to be an ebb and flow to it. Guess what? You might have made, you have a loss or here or there. Sure. You might make 500 bucks on that thing. Trading 100 shares. That's something duplicatable. Because guess what? If you do that every day, it's $2,500 a week. Four weeks in a month. It's $10,000 a month. Trading 100 shares of something. It seems like that can't be possible, but it's easier to do that than to sit there and look, for the $2 stocks, $3 stocks, and get knifed all the time. And by the way, like in the small cap space, because of the advent of Discord rooms and the algos for the first time in the last few years, algos are really into small caps, even as much as they are in large caps, you are seeing knifes all the time. What I mean by knife is like, you like this picture perfect breakout and it goes, I'm sure you guys saw this. Like I had a bunch of students and I was telling them nonstop, like don't trade this like yesterday, like, don't trade this GTAC, GTAC, like everybody's talking about this GTAC. If you look at the chart on GTAC yesterday, it's November 19th. Every time it looks hot, it goes poof, minus 20%. Then it ramps back up, it goes poof, 20%. And then it ramps back up, it goes poof, 20%. Okay, well, if you are a longtime trader, like a 20-year veteran, you might be smart enough to catch the knives, right? And know that this is such a liquidity trap for new traders. 
But like a majority of people are not going to know that. They're going to draw a squiggly line, say this is a breakout. I mean, I see one, two. I mean, I had like four 20% knife on it. Yeah, but now chart. every Discord room, small cap room, your trade ideas, scanners, we're showing this nonstop. And you draw your line, you see your breakout. You might even get, you know, before breakout, you might get it on the VWAP even. You still lose it. They're jumping under there. Hmm. So that becomes really, really important. So what's easier to trade? Something that's like 100 bucks, 50 bucks, it moves up and down 10 bucks. You only got to do 100 shares. And yeah. you'll see the patterns way more clear. And you know, like over this last year, like, you know, like Roblox has been one that I've been trading, you know, for a long, for the last few weeks. But like, you know, before this, I would say before November, like I was trading this Affirm every day, AFRM. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the ATR on that, according to you, is $14 right now. $14. It's a hundred and, you know, $22 stock. 14 bucks. So 100 shares, 200 shares. You know, trading that back and forth, you have range, you have liquidity. They move cleaner too. Because like you're gonna follow technical analysis better because the algos and the big players, they're all looking at the same moving averages and all this stuff. Yeah. So they move cleaner. Like you don't have to worry about a Discord room with five hundred thousand people putting a sell alert and knifing you, even though it looks like it's good, right? And so like now all of a sudden, ten years ago, these low float names were really easy to trade because there was no liquidity in them, but the mm. algos couldn't get into them. Like they, they didn't have enough volume. They had too much of a spread, but now they have so much liquidity because there's so many chat rooms running around that the algos are in those things. Yeah. And what's easier to fool? If you're an algo, what's easier to fool and make money? Your yeah. local $5 stock, $7 stock, that, right? People are trading from a free discord room or like right a legitimate company with catalysts and so on and so forth it's hard to mess with those now there is a time and place for small caps so like you know i'm not dogging on them i'll trade them if i see a hot one i mean don't get me wrong i mean I, i'll do it i don't want to do it but I, I mean, i'll do it. you know but it has to be like the perfect storm of things yeah, I uh, I love it. Uh, the small caps, five dollar and under penny stocks. Man, that space has always scared me. That is the one thing I don't think I ever got sucked into as a trader. Even starting out was stay away from those. Even though you know, hey, the, you can you can get some you can ride some nice waves occasionally, but yeah. it's dangerous territory. They yeah. work till they don't work. Yeah, and then like you get used to a pattern or something like that. But man, they get knifed. Yeah. I mean, they get yeah. knife. Like, you just see 20% down candles out of nowhere. How do you plan for that? Yeah. Yeah. How do you plan for that? Like, you're not going to see that in like right, a, a regular company. But man, like, if you think about like even like this year, like UPST, right? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that thing went from like 100 to right, right like $400 or whatever. 300, yeah, $400. Yeah. You know, like that when that was trending and now, you know, it's downtrending. Like when that was trending, like, man, you could trade 100, 200 shares of that. Yep. It was having 30 to $40 range every day for months. I mean, you can make your money. You can make your money. And you get more margin, you know, like if you're like, you know, thinking about like your accounts and stuff like that, hmm. you know, you don't really get margin on small cap stocks anyways. But like, you know, these kind of stocks, you get margin on them. And, you know, you know, I don't want to promote margin or whatever, but used in the right spot in the right companies. If your risk is tight, margin sure. is fantastic. Margin leverage and time, business, stocks, it works if you do it right. 100%. Yeah. No, I love margin. I mean, <laughs> used responsibly. It is, uh, yeah. it's great. It is, it is, uh, it is great. So uh, let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk about crypto. I think you, oh. uh, you love your crypto trading now, is, is my guess. So yeah. uh, talk to me a little bit about that world. What are you up to there? Like, what are you looking for? Are you day trading, swing trading? In cryptocurrency, I very rarely day trade. Mm -hmm. And cryptocurrency is a, a, an interesting industry because it's nascent still. 
And I opened, you know, my cryptocurrency chat room probably 2017, 2018, give or take. Mm -hmm. So I've been at it for a few years, not like some of the, you know, the Bitcoin originals, but uh, the trading side of it, you know, I might've been one of the first ones that was doing it. And it's still like, it's hard to day trade cryptocurrencies because Coinbase, Binance US, you don't have access to leverage. You can't long short. Yep. So cryptocurrency market, because it's a new market and it gets pumped and then dumped, you know, you have crashes like twice a year where they just drop for a month or two. Then they go sideways for a month or two. So when you don't have access to the shorting, mm -hmm. right, you, you can't play it the same way as stocks where you can count on it for daily income. Now, cryptocurrency, you can count on income, but you can't count on daily income. See, in the mm -hmm. stock market, because what, no matter what the market does, whether it's up or down, you can change gears. If you're looking and reading your indexes right, you'll have an idea of what the market's going to do and you have a good plan. So you can make money most days in the stock market, right? Like if you're a good trader, four out of five days a week, whatever whatever ratios are there, depending on you know how much reward to risk you're getting. Cryptocurrency market is different. You could go months without making any money. Like you may just sit out. But then when it heats up, I mean, hot damn. When it heats up, there's no, I mean, there's just no better thing out there. Like I'm looking at these kind of crypto charts right now. There is every year, like there are just months where nothing goes on. Yeah. And then there are months like where it's like just gangbusters. And so I do more swing trading in cryptos, day trading in stocks, but I'll selectively, you know, swing trade stock. But I think with cryptos, the percentage returns are higher. So you automatically think you should be day trading. Because like in a, any given day, you'll see cryptocurrencies, like there's like 30, 40, 50% runners. But the thing is, it's a 24-hour market. So like in the stock market, you have, right, if you have a 30% runner, 40% runner, it'll move in a concentrated way. It could do it at the end of the day or beginning of the day. Well, like it's going to make a majority of its move like relatively quickly, mm. maybe an hour. In cryptocurrency, if it moves 10%, it might do it over the course of 24 hours. So like, you know, like what you, the day trading of it can be a little bit hard because you're like, you're sitting there and it's like going up like two pennies every hour and right. Like who can sit at the computer that long? Right. 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 So I tend to swing trade more on the cryptos, mostly though, due to proper exchanges that have leverage. Now there are exchanges that have leverage like Kraken has leverage, but they got a really shitty interface. You can use KuCoin. Yep. But it's a Chinese exchange. I mean, there's just, you're just wrought with risk there. I don't yep. know if you can even keep more than 10, 20 grand there. Like I keep 20 and then they have leverage and stuff like there. But I mean, I don't, man, I mean, do you really want to keep, I've seen like bid desk just went, you know, I see exchanges get shut down all the time. There's no laws, right? If it's in Canada, they can just send out a notice on Twitter saying, Hey, we're shutting down. Your money's gone. Yeah. yeah. Who are you going to talk to? <laughs> Ghostbusters? <laughs> like, uh, who are you going to talk to? So that's why you know I keep about 20K in KuCoin because you do get all the leverage and futures and the toys. And yeah. then I'll just use the leverage that, you know, making, but I, I will put it out immediately. Yeah. You can't trust it. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's very different. It's a, I mean, it's a whole different world. Obviously, like you said, the big thing is regulation on these exchanges. And, and I mean, there is none. I mean, for the most part, I mean, obviously, Coinbase, you're, you know, you're, they're regulated. They're New York. They're, you know, they're, they're you know, indoctrinated now. But yeah, and Coinbase is tough, too. Like if you ever go on Coinbase website or pro. So if you look at Coinbase right now, they, they are worth more than a Ford Motor Company. Their Coinbase Pro, it looks like it's from the 80s yep like it is is like, dot matrix ms dos dot matrix maybe even worse like it is like there's nothing you can really do on there except just hit some market orders and sell orders like how are you an 80 billion dollar company and you can't have like dude i got some friends that are like you know phone developer you know like app developers and i'm not saying they're the best or anything like that but they can make it look better than that like holy yeah. crap like you have 80 billion dollars they raised what 10 or 15 in the private markets 
What did they use the money in? Yeah. Yep. What did they use the money in? I don't know. So that's like the that's the one issue I have with the crypto market is like you just don't have that epic apparatus. Like you don't have it interactive brokers or thinkorswim or yes. right Trip pro or whatever people use. You just don't have that software. You can just get used to it and it can do everything you want to do. I don't know if you know this, but like uh, me and my business partner, uh, Eric, he's one of my employees. And uh, we spent three months in Japan in 2017, 2018, nice. just to learn about cryptocurrency. Oh, nice. I had an inkling that it was going to be hot. But, you know, in Japan, every, they're always like a step ahead. And I didn't know if they were a step ahead, but like, do you remember when we were kids? I'm 40 years old. When we were kids, like you had played Nintendo games and like mm-hmm. Japan always had like, you'd be playing like Super Mario 1 and then right. we were like Super Mario 8. Yeah. And like you could play like River City Ransom. Oh, and man. it was like out in Japan, like two years later, they always have everything a little bit earlier. Nice. So we went to Japan for quite some time to learn about cryptocurrency. We were doing like some Shark Tank stuff, like uh, investing in cryptocurrencies and learning about them. And it was really cool. It was like really eye-opening but you still just don't have the apparatus of, and it's tough. But my five, I would say my five biggest trades I've ever taken ever, they've all been cryptocurrency. Yeah. And yep. it's all, you know, and they've all been from luck. You know, like you get a right pattern, right place, right time. And you wake up one day and you're like, oh shit, like how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> that never happens in the stock market, you know, and that's like, that's kind of the cool thing about being in like a newer industry. You have that aspect of volatility, range, everything. So cryptos is cool, but I don't think like it's something you could do full time to make daily income. You know, like if you're like looking at like making trading as a job, you need daily income. I need daily income just to get the feedback loop. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's one of the things like full-time trading, my mentor, Paul, he's a full-time trader, but he swings. Well, dude, I mean, he's gets, he has months where he's like demolished, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, like the feedback loop is not close enough for me. Mm. I need to know every day whether I did a good job or a bad job, whether I'm a good person or a bad person, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And swing trade doesn't do that. And cryptocurrency is also a little bit tricky because you have those months where it's just a hibernation. Yeah. So it's hard to get the daily income. Now, for those of you guys that are like overseas or in Canada, you can make daily income from cryptocurrency because Binance, there's a million of these exchanges. They have leverage, shorting, longing. They have 3X ETFs. They have anything you can think of. But the US has come in and they've really limited like how many products we can trade on this. So we just don't have the tools yet, but it, it's coming. Yeah, God, I hope it does. I hope it does quicker. Are you trading these? Oh yeah, I have been. Um, I've been in this space for a long time. Um, I don't really you tell. I don't really post or publish anything on it. I mean, so believe it or not, I started trading Bitcoin back in 2012. Um, back on crazy exchanges with spreads. Yeah wider you could drive a truck through them and i mean it <laughs> yes. was yeah i mean it was it was wild um and most of those exchanges don't exist anymore and obviously i wish i just bought and held <laughs> uh sure. instead of being a you know trader but it's in my blood to you know manage risk and you know back in the very active days so um for me what i've mostly been doing is holding for the most part and managing once or twice a year, trying to avoid the big washout 50, 60, 70% drops, but really just trying to be more of a trend follower for the most part, like in the long-term sense. Um, Mostly because like you said, they don't have the tools. Uh, The tools are the big things. There's, There's no good way to short, to hedge, and there's no good way to get crypto money to stock money easily it's like i have to wait and you know go to a stable coin then wait five days for a transfer then get it over to ibkr like it's a pain in the neck um and so and then the exchange risk um so i basically am like all right i'm gonna just kind of sit tight and you know um wait for some of these things but 
uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's been fun. It's interesting. Um, and yeah, uh, the decentralized exchanges are pretty fun. I don't know if you've played around on those yet. Yeah, but the Uniswap, the Pancake, yep. pancake Swaps and all yep. these. The problem with all of them is just the, the gas fees. Yeah, spreads and fees. So my thinking has been, because you can transfer coins really easily now. Yes. It used to not be the case. So Crypto.com, Binance, Coinbase, Binance US, Kraken. I keep accounts at all of them. So if there's a coin between all of them, you'll have a coin. If you're looking at a coin, it's not at one. It'll be at one of the others. I mean, you can send some Solana right now. I mean, Solana will show up in like 30 seconds. Yeah, it's not going to be anything, you know. So that's going to be the easiest way I think to do it because the gas fees are nuts right now. Yeah. They're crazy. All the NFTs and everything else that's going on. For those of you guys that don't know, gas fees are essentially the cost of doing transaction on Ethereum blockchain, which is the blockchain that has the most transactions or the most usability. So Bitcoin is essentially used right to transfer money and things yep. of that nature. But Ethereum is a, like a multi-purpose blockchain. So you, People are using it for almost everything. So yep. It could be for transferring currency. You know, you want to send money from one person to another, but also a majority of NFTs, uh, anything that you can think of, dApps, they're happening on the Ethereum blockchain, but the Ethereum blockchain is number one, very slow. And then there's very high costs of using it. I sold out of all my uh, Ethereum blockchain NFTs and I moved to the Solana because uh, I feel like there's like a little bit of an edge there. Their NFTs are starting to mint. You can mint them really cheap. Yeah. And people are catching on to the platform. If you look at like Etherscan or whatever, or any of the block explorers, the amount of users that are powering on, so I track that every day. Yeah. The amount of users that are powering on the Solana platform are increasing quite a bit every day. Hmm. I'm thinking... And it's a bet, right? I'm a, I'm a man that makes bets, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bet, essentially, that, you know what? Solana is going to pick up some of this. At some point, somebody big in the NFT space, somebody, there's going to be groups of them that move to Solana. But Solana's already got a lot of NFT stuff anyways. Yep. You know, you sign up to like one Discord room and they start spamming you with like a thousand other ones. <laughs> Buy this board cat, buy this That's board right. eight, buy this board astronaut, yeah. buy this right? Like, all right, cool. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Solana's interesting. Tezos is another one that's picking up steam on like the NFT side because it's Tezos, just so much man, cheaper. Been, you know what? And I was doing a little bit of that. Yeah. My problem with Tezos, just the damn coin just turns like shit. Yeah, it just it's can't get any traction. Yeah. Yeah, so... Nice. Um, before we wrap up, we're about to wrap up, but um, before we do on the crypto side, are you, sounds like you're pretty much willing to go anywhere in that space then, right? To trade and to find an, I mean, if you see opportunity, you're, you're hunting it out and you're going for it, right? In terms of sure. all the different types of layer ones or anything else. So guys, in terms of any type of trading, investing, being flexible, flexible mind, flexible in terms of what you're willing to believe is true is really important. Like you cannot be dogmatic, especially considering none of us have most of us, I should say, don't really have like a specific expertise into engineering or like if you're in the stock market, right. A fundamental analysis or whatever it is, you can't be dogmatic and say like, this is it. This is me. This is who I am. This thing is right. This thing is wrong. This thing is worth something. You can't assign these kind of values to things that really we don't have the pay grade and the education to really do. And then, by the way, the people that have the pay grade and the education to do it, they still can't guesstimate price. They can guesstimate whether something works or not works, but they don't guesstimate price. And so you can't be dogmatic. Always, like one of the things that's kept me going in my trading career has always been a flexibility of 
mindset, but also like what I'm willing to learn. You know, I know like from 2008, I have a strategy that works for me, but I'm always sitting there tweaking things, trying to learn things. I see people, it could be from Twitter or whatever people I talk to, even my own students, they teach me things. Like I got into crypto space from one of my students. He was a, he worked at a damn car wash. He paid all this money to buy my stock trading bootcamp. He was trading my stock trading bootcamp. And he's like, you know, I don't have that much capital. So I don't want to day trade stocks. So this like 2017, so he put in the crypto market and he was trading the crypto market using the stuff I was doing. And he's like, dude, he's like, big bro, like, dude, I made this killing. And I'm like, huh? I thought you worked at <laughs> a fucking car wash. And he's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and, you know, like that's like that flexibility. And I was like, nah, it's a scam. Like what's Bitcoin? Just invisible, right? This is 2017. It's invisible. It's nothing. And he's like, dude, send me a snapshot of some of the stuff. And I'm like, damn it. That's my yep. strategy. Like, you know, it's right. You have to be flexible to say, you know what? I was wrong about this. Because I was doubting it. I was like, you know what? This like was a fake coin, like fake money, like whatever, right? And so you got to be flexible with it. And it's like the same thing in the stock market. You've got to be just flexible with not your discipline, but like in what you really think can work. Like let the evidence show because there's tried and true things always. Catalysts, chart breakouts, coupled together macro things but there's still that nuances in them of how you treat them you've got to be flexible and if any of you guys are thinking about getting into trading like you have to have number one a systematic approach of like what you do but you can never be dogmatic in that what you do is the best well said kunal this was awesome where can people find you if uh they want to stay on to date with everything you're doing and all the work crypto trading day trading where should they go? Bulls on Wall Street, the bull. Bulls on Wall Street. You always find Bulls on Wall Street or Canal Zero Zero on the Twitter. Well, we'll link them all up in the show notes. That's it, folks. So all those notes will be in this episode. You can find it at thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you in a future episode. This was a lot of fun, Canal. Knew it would be. Thanks so much for being here. My man. Thank you for listening to Smarter Trading. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For all of the show notes, links, and callouts, head on over to thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Smarter Trading is hosted by me, Evan Medeiros, and produced by Ashton Alexander. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you in the next episode.